but I like um, uh, creating something that people enjoy and stirs up some kind, or I try, that's my aim, is to try and stir up some kind of emotion or reaction. Hi, welcome to Paths and Outdoors. Um, today we're outside, hopefully the rain will stay off. Um, and I am here with Ellie and Matt from Summit Fever Media. Guys, welcome. Thanks. Thank you very much. Welcome to the podcast. Um, we met on a path a few months ago um, and I proposed this uh, and I'm glad it's kind of come to, come to fruition. Um, uh, as many people probably who watch this and hopefully they will People who haven't will go and watch them. We'll, I've watched your videos and little, uh, we'll get onto it in a minute, but uh, your sort of race videos and things, which has uh, kept me glued to dots and in the background uh, for, for many an event uh, as I'm watching the distance. So um, I basically just wanted to get you on and, and, and hear your story, how you got to how you got to where Summit Fever Media is now. Cool. So I suppose the best way to place to start is maybe obviously to give you a bit of background on each other and 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 start from there and see what see what happens. Okay. Do you want pre pre uh, pre summit fever? Oh yeah. So where, how did you guys individually get into the outdoors and and where did it where was where was your inspirations? Was it family or was it was it elsewhere? What what was the? For you, Ellie, you go first. Uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay. Give time, Matt time to, to think uh, about it. <laughs> so I grew up. Uh, between Lancashire and Cumbria, so um, the Lake District was very much on my doorstep uh, and I don't think I was that, I liked the outdoors but I wasn't, I didn't think of it as something I might eventually have a career in or to do with. Um, as a teenager I loved, loved running, loved all kind of sports but then I think as maybe quite a lot of people I went off to uni and spent my 20s, uh, or my early 20s anyway, um, living in London and not doing anything particularly outdoorsy. Uh, and then it kind of came full circle, I suppose, a little bit when I, I was made redundant from an office job and uh, I started work at Cotswold Outdoors. Okay. Uh, Holborn. Okay. In London. Okay. Um, I, I, I knew at that point, when, before I was made redundant, I knew that I wanted to, I wanted to get back outdoors. I wanted to leave the city, uh, possibly move back to kind of where I grew up um, and do something that I genuinely loved doing. So Cotswold Outdoors seemed like the ideal starting place. And when you were in London and at uni, where was where was uni? Oh, Durham. Durham, okay. Um, and was there any kind of outdoor activities or anything like that that you gravitated towards, or was it just just uni and and maybe some socialising? Maybe more sad to say, more socialising. <laughs> but sad to say. that's okay. <laughs> I did I did do quite a lot of um, kind of cross country and fell races, right. um, but it was mainly mainly socialising. I'm afraid. I don't think there's anything to be afraid about. That's, that's all right. Is that not a rite of passage, isn't it? Um, uh, and what about your family? Were they your, your parents? Um, the, 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 both of them. We grew up uh, walking, kind of walking most weekends. Um, it, we were 
yeah, they were they were very active, still are. Um, I remember actually a really young age, I think my first hill was Penny Ghent. And I remember having a massive tantrum at the very top. I think it was just that tiny little bit of a scramble at the very top. And I think I must've been about seven or eight and I had a massive tantrum and I couldn't move from that ledge. <laughs> so, St stuck in your brain. So that really <laughs> yes. stuck in my mind. <laughs> um, right. yeah. And then, uh, so whilst then Cotswolds was that then, what, what were you thinking at that point in terms of I think what I was, the plan was? I was, um, I knew I wanted to work in the outdoors and I knew I wanted to do something creative. And I think I toyed with the idea of trying to get my, my ML. Um, I'd started as a kind of, uh, when, you're, when I was in London and desperate to be outside, I started climbing at the local climbing wall. Um, just any kind of outdoor fix that I could get hold of in London. That was, that was the idea. Um, so I toyed with the idea of maybe um, getting some climbing qualifications. Uh, I, I think at that point I was very much floating around and trying to kind of feel my way and work out what I, what I could do. Um, and the other, I mean, I suppose the other one was getting to meet quite a lot of the brand reps through Cotswolds and getting to know some of the brands and would there be, is there an opening in any of the brands that I could have kind of segued into? I don't know, you know, that, that, that path. But it was very much, um, I didn't have a particular, this is what I know I'm going to do. I just had vague ideas of the kind of thing. Um, so you mentioned creative a, a yeah. moment ago. I, uh, and were you creative prior like, to that thought process like what what did you do at uni was that was that a creative type work, um, um, course it was a, i did um i did ancient history at uni so it was a bit mm -hmm. it was a bit of a random <laughs> bit of a random uh, mix of things yeah. but um i love i've always loved reading and writing and um i'd write stories in free time and from an early age so i i, I think one of the one of the uh jobs that I wanted to go into when I was at school was journalism and so I suppose in a kind of way yeah it was underlying maybe underlying. Just waiting, waiting, yeah waiting for it to, to <laughs> expose itself yeah hopefully yeah. um so Matt what where did it where's where... um I don't know I guess I've been quite outdoorsy from a young age like um I went into uh what was it like beaver scouts at six or something um and i was in scouts for about 16 years um like yeah like working out through the years and eventually becoming like a leader and stuff and that really i guess was the the like core thing that took me out into sort of outdoor stuff um and i guess similar to ellie like um started to get some qualifications and stuff for doing climbing and bits like that um but um yeah i guess i was also started i also like had a little camera and i would like make little videos um which i never want to see again of like hikes and stuff we used to do with the with the scouts yeah the, yeah just yeah. um yeah like in what was it it was like 2004 we hiked from prague to dresden um, right. and uh yeah, just four of us, it was like completely, it was brilliant. Or like a really great trip. 
So if we dive deep into YouTube, will that will we find that video? Uh, hopefully not that Many one. Many people know. Yeah, no. <laughs> I think there might be there may, might be one of a bike tour that I did uh, after that with some friends at Scouts. Um, that yeah, again, like when I look back, quite cringy. Um, but yeah, like I used to I used to make videos with my cousin. He's now an artist. Um, so the, um, so the kind of video videography side, you've always had that. It's yeah, always been to hand, and I don't always, know. Always tried to do it. I don't know why. I don't. I genuinely have no idea why I became interested in it. Um, weirdly, over lockdown, we were doing some like sort of family history kind of research, and like my mum's great 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 granddad was like a magic lantern painter and his son was a magic lantern painter um wh which i guess was like for the time it was basically just kind of hereditary kind of, kind of well I, when i found that i was like oh that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i loved i, I like really enjoy anything creative and love outdoors which is kind of why kind of lost my way a bit at school um, not in any grand sense, but like I just wasn't academic. Um, but uh, so I went off and studied art and design um, at, at uni, just did a one year foundation course, uh, which was brilliant. Definitely recommend it for anyone that's sort of like not wants to do something creative, but it's not sure because it allowed me to try lots of different things in the creative industries. And even though like like you might think oh, okay this term i'm studying like fashion or something and i know everyone's thinking like really we didn't learn anything um but like um you take away something from like working on these different things you can that use you, that and put yeah. it across other you, totally other yeah. Mediums. yeah um and i guess a bit like ellie ended up at cotswolds uh as like a saturday boy when i was at school and um, really enjoyed that and it meant I could feed the growing gear addiction um, <laughs> spend all my money on anything possible um, and what else yeah and then so what, what, did your family uh, do that kind of thing as well or is it just you went to scouts and that and then and that's where it was uh, the, the kind of outdoor world was fostered your outdoor love was fostered um, I think it was mainly through scouts, although like my dad um, has worked in offshore racing, uh, like yachting for a long time. And so I spent a lot of time on the water as a kid. Um, but I think as soon as I became a grumpy teenager, I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like that's yeah, common, isn't it? Yeah. I talked about um, before we started recording. I'm kind of going through that process uh, at, at the moment with my daughter, but uh, and I and I remember when I I stopped going to the scouts when I was probably about ten or twelve, um, and I kind of regret that now. But anyway, that's mm. not my story. Um, so you both worked to Cotswolds. Was it the same Cotswolds? No. Nope. Not to no. start with. No. no. Um. We met on one of the Cotswold winter skills, tra skills yeah. training courses. Right. And Scotland or? Scotland, yeah. it was, where were we? Glencoe. Glencoe. Mm. Yeah. Nice, nice place to, to meet. Yeah. Um, 
And so what? So you're in Holborn. Yeah. Yep. What honour were you in? Um, I, originally I was in Kingston. Right. Okay. Um, which was the closest to where I lived at the time, mm -hmm. but uh, ended up working in Islington branch. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then that's where we ended up working together after that. Um, after that training course. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, we were just kind of like chatting about like, oh, what should we do? What should we do? Yeah. So, so you both at this point together, and you're and yeah, and and the outdoor kind of want or, or looking for the next step and how you're going to do it that's so that's where you are now that's yeah that's yeah. where we are in the kind of journey i suppose yeah so, um who who was the one that pushed early pointed to me. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was kind of a i remember you said well so matt at that button that still does loads of trail races um and had built up a good relationship with some of the race directors and so the idea that i suppose you came up with and proposed was race photography um we're like okay let's give it a go yeah see what happens how keen were you <laughs> were, you, were you as keen as matt yeah i was i yeah? was like oh, yeah let's do it we had no uh no i suppose responsibility no ties to anywhere in the world <laughs> no kind of responsibilities we didn't have a house or anything we were just renting there was nothing like worst case scenario it goes wrong and we just start again yeah. back in cotswolds <laughs> back in cotswolds yeah. they said have us <laughs> <laughs> um so Still based down south in uh, sort of London area at that time, uh, and so Ellie mentioned Matt was doing, you were doing races at that time. Matt. Were you sort of taking trail running? Were you getting into trail running at that point? Yeah, um, yeah. I rode at school, and, and part of the training was running. Um, and uh, sort of when I stopped rowing, I kept running. And in I think it was like to 2009 was my first race. Um, and yeah, just absolutely got totally addicted. So trail, so yeah, trail, tra trail race, yeah. Yeah, anything. Well, yeah, at the time, I was running a lot around sort of like south, uh, I guess southeast, like you know, like um, on the South Downs, uh, Centurion running kind of territory. Okay. Um, and around London as well. Like sometimes I'd run to work and. Um, stuff like that. I can't, like from time to time, I do quite like urban running. It's yeah. it's um, mm. it's like running through a forest, but all the trees are moving. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so reframe it. Like but, obstacles yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Um, no, 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 makes sense. And the the races that you are when you when you were proposing this as doing kind of race photography. What what races was it you were looking at? To be honest any that we knew like the one person that sticks out in my mind from racing memory uh is actually matt ward because i think i met him at my possibly at my first race if it wasn't first it was second race and um and he was really like had like we had a really good chat on the finish line and just so matt ward for people who don't know who matt ward is uh, well matt ward uh 
I'm sure a lot of people will have heard of him if, you've heard, if you're into trail racing, uh, presenter at lots of different events. Um, you'll see him at finish lines of everything from Skyline Scotland to the like Manchester Marathon, Cardiff. Um, Is yeah, he's and he he does a lot of uh, running community stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, so he was your in. He, yeah he was and like he knew loads of people he was really friendly and I was like cool like we should we should do more of this stuff um and so yeah who else uh, XNRG yeah um Neil Subron he was he was really kind of instrumental wasn't he in yeah he, he gave us work on all of his races which was uh really kind because <laughs> we'd come from nowhere and we just appeared and uh helped us out and really um so guided sounds a bit cliche but he really uh i don't know what's, what's the word kind of i think he helped give us the opportunity yeah to like yeah try and do more and i do, think he was worth to take a he, he took a risk We'd come think? to well, like with like we'd come to him with ideas, and he'd be like, "Yeah, right, go on then." Yeah. Because I remember we, um, I think we said, "Oh, can we can we make a video for you?" Yeah. And he was like, mm, "Okay, how much? Have you done it before?" Okay, go on then. <laughs> see see what you come back yeah. with. Um, yeah. So you kind of took a took a punt, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Seems to have paid off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And and those videos, well, what what kind of time are we talking around here? Are we are we in social media time now, or what, what's the? Uh, what, how are they being? Was it YouTube? We were lucky because it was just at the start when Facebook uh, allowed you to, back in the day, allowed you to embed a link. It didn't embed the film, but you could put a hyperlink, right. YouTube hyperlink in. Yeah. back then so it was 2012 so how do you think those videos were received so like obviously the people that were there absolutely loved the having a record of their memory their experience um particularly as you know we were at a lot of ultra events and it was, it was like a big milestone for people taking part um and you know whether they're competing or completing like the you know both it meant it meant a lot to them which was really cool but i think the race directors also quickly realized that you know there was a lot of value to getting more entries for the races and just like spreading the word of like you know this is you know come and have a look this is what it looks like um and obviously you know like when we were doing photography the that's i guess for the most part the way we were doing it it was much more like for the individual like Oh, I can put it on Facebook and yeah. like I did yeah. this thing. Yeah, it was more kind of yeah. for that for that person. Yeah. yeah. Whereas like the the video gave you like a flavour of the event, and it was like it meant. I guess we were almost like creating stuff that we wanted to see at races, like like oh, I really want to see what that's like, and like even now, like when we're looking at races to enter. Um, on a personal level, we, you know, I, I always watch a video because I'm like, 
what you know what's the crack what's you know what's the is it big small what's it kind of gives you more information doesn't it so yeah. just yeah. how what the vibe of the, the the race or the event whether it be a running event or or, or sort of bicycle event or whatever yeah you know. um and that that kind of feedback then at the beginning what how is that for the for, for your sake do you know that, that, that massive yeah huge wasn't it yeah it was like oh maybe this could work <laughs> but yeah it was uh it was really exciting to see i suppose uh there's a lot of reward in seeing something it's in creating something and then people enjoying watching it yeah and and then what were what were the kind of next stages because i mean none of the stuff you told me so far you you were kind of video videography trained or or camera trained well i suppose your art and design class or uh, was the, year yeah, potentially was the, the came close. so what how did you develop those skills and and, and learn them Googled it. Googled it. Yeah. In <laughs> also, YouTube. Totally. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Literally just searched. Like, we got a few GoPros to begin with. Yeah. And like, just how do we do this? How do we do that? Got some um, free editing software or a yeah. free trial. Um, and then just. And just. Yeah. Pieced it all together. Tried. Yeah. 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 Like watched. Um, watched as much as we well i guess we started watching stuff and not just outdoor content but we started watching videos and like analyzing and then talk to them and we still do that like even you know like watching tv last night we were like oh yeah i love what they did with that scene and you know the way they um build it up and stuff and uh you know it, you we were started to try and take things away from and also like not just not just videos as well like ellie reads at a rate i can't it's just frightening <laughs> but you know that storytelling element from all those books has clearly done something in your head because um like uh yeah it's watching ellie edit is quite incredible because it like even today we're, we're editing stuff today and I just see, I'm like looking at this timeline. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. And he's like, no, put this there, this there, this there, this there, do this, cut this shorter, this, that. And I'm just like, I don't see that. Um, so, yeah. There you go. Called it. Yeah, and it's on video. Reported, <laughs> yes. <right? laughs> uh, and for anybody who's listening or watching, it's now started to rain quite a lot. I'm all right at the moment. Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Um, so, well, on, well, touching on the editing then. Because I know, well, I've, I have heard from other people who talk to that you'll come off the hill with a stack of hard drives and memory memory cards and hand them to Ellie, and then Ellie does does a thing. Um, you are the, the editing whiz. I am I am I am told. Well, I just really I really enjoy it. I, I love the I love this. I really get into it into this little zone, and I just it's like a it's like a bit like a puzzle or a jigsaw and you're piecing it together and I think I just uh, I just love the story I just like yeah. the story and I think I like without sounding again a bit too cheesy but I like um, uh, creating something that people enjoy and stirs up some kind or I try that's my aim is to try and 
stir up some kind of emotion or reaction. Um, and I also, uh, I think of like when I read or when I watch a film or something, I'm, or I, I do it almost as a form of escapism or a, not, not, not always, but sometimes as a form of escapism to take you somewhere else or to give you a new experience. And I just like, I like being able to, or trying to do that in editing. And how do you think that's changed over the years? And does it change, like, periodically? Does your, does your focus change? Or like you, obviously you were talking earlier about how you, you're watching other things that will... Yeah. So how, how does that change the influence of your editing? Um, quite a bit, quite, quite a lot. I think I'm in a phase now, <laughs> phase now where I like humour. I, like, I, think, I think there's, there needs to be more humour around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like it. so, yeah, I, so I, I I certainly went through a phase of and and deep and meaningful always has its place and I certainly go through phases of uh, being influenced and uh, on kind of folk telling stories with people which are maybe more introspective but um, I really enjoy the kind of people in having a laugh having fun especially outdoors on the hill um yeah comedy I quite I, <laughs> underrated maybe sometimes and, and has it always been that way uh well obviously it's changed but what so what was it before um i think maybe it was quite i suppose getting a bit deep and philosophical a little bit but as you go through phases like what's going on in your life at the time reflects what's the kind of the work that or the edits maybe oh sounds a bit grandiose doesn't it but so i think right now i'm quite kind of like upbeat and so your mood fun. influences yeah, your, your editing yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so i think there's definitely been periods where maybe uh things were maybe a little bit more unsettled or wasn't as confident or comfortable in that period of life and definitely that influences the the final kind of the mood of the edit or what you create um yeah. okay well that probably kind of leads me on to uh, so as i warned you before we started recording i've reached out to a couple of kind of mutual friends um to, for, to sort of propose questions um and one's from callum okay. uh, he kindly uh poses this question what is about people suffering grinding working at their physical limits uh, that, that you pay and enjoy covering so much <laughs> <laughs> that makes it sound really. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I think there's some experience there potentially. Because uh, you've worked on a couple of things. So, uh, longest line, which is not long out, um, and it's uh, it's showing it. Uh, it shows still, um, and has has been received very well um, across. You've won some awards for it as well. Um, so, uh, and you, I know you've worked with him on, on other things. So he's obviously had some experience. He obviously likes likes to thinks it's think this is something maybe he's been put through I don't know maybe it's yeah I guess well for me like um I think hardship that there's lots of elements to it like part of it is when people are going through something that's really difficult you it's very difficult for them to then cover up what they're really thinking and feeling and and experiencing so what you're seeing is very, uh, like, like real and raw. I mean, I hate terms like that, but 
but it's it's honest it's very honest and um and also i think you know there's definitely a level which is it's it's really it feels like a privilege to be able to like capture a lot of these these efforts of hardship be it you know the longest line crossing that be it an fkt um or even be it telling um a, a difficult story um so i think there's there's sort of lots of there's lots of levels to it but i think generally speaking and i think a lot of i, I guess most people in the outdoors who love outdoor stuff would think similarly that things that are really difficult or thing thing what is it like things that are worth doing are rarely easy and and so uh yeah like capturing those and telling those stories and then maybe it encourages someone who's like oh i'm not sure if i could do it and like oh maybe i can you know um and it doesn't necessarily have to be to the extent that you know you know like um i definitely read books and listen to podcasts and stuff like that about really extreme you know like um I don't know, like a military history story or something like that and like i will never be anywhere close to that um situation personally but on the run that i'm doing while i'm listening to it i'm like oh i've really got to pull my finger out here because like i've got no excuse so so yeah um and 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 early from when from you're editing that type of footage that's been picked you've gone out and well using the the sort of race events when people are sort of struggling and, and yeah. things like that when you're editing that into the, the short films or, or even the longer films like Damien's uh and, and John's FEGT yeah. stuff what 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 are you looking for in terms of that struggle <laughs> well yeah the, the struggle is um I think it's compelling I think when I'm editing the footage I'm always looking for those moments of um, like Matt said, honesty and again, and like Matt said again, like rawness and realness. Um, because I think it's, I think it can be relatable on whatever level you're coming at it from. Because sometimes I think you can, you watch if you watch if you watched say Damien breaking Damien Hall breaking a breaking a record or something and you just saw the the happy bits and him crossing the line and breaking the record and you look at that and you think wow that's amazing but i could never do that but then when you see the hours that of trade like like the crazy hours of training the the genuine struggle and the sacrifices that he makes i think it makes it kind of makes it a bit more relatable or maybe yeah very similar to what you said to what matt said is that you think okay maybe he doesn't he isn't he doesn't just wake up out of bed and suddenly run 268 miles and smash records just because he's you know lucky or something um it's that hard work and determination i think that pays off mm. yeah no, I, I, yeah definitely from the stories you, you put out uh, or, or, or the stuff you put out, it definitely you can see that, um, and and it's good to see because I think a lot of people, yeah, they, 
might want to aspire to that. So uh, mm. seeing that the, the the work that needs to go in, I suppose, is the is the main thing. But I suppose on the flip side, then for you guys, like uh, I'm thinking spine races and and wet weather on the Cape Wrath and, and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you have to put yourself up through some hardships to get that footage. It's part of the fun, right? I was going to say we are. <laughs> well, we do have a nice warm car to like to drive. Well, up yes, and maybe sleep that, in. but but then there's uh, the uh, for the the longest line. You did probably more miles than they did. Trying to hard. coverage it, <laughs> really coverage it, cover it. Yeah, yeah. It's it presents its own challenges, which is definitely part. It is part of the fun. Like you're you're challenging yourself not only creatively and like trying to capture the story and thinking about you know like as we're hiking along, chatting with Ellie and Johnny about like oh uh, Johnny was a photographer, like how we were how we were going to tell the story like what's the next important potential scene where are we next going to see them um how are we going to portray what's in front of us and then there's also the challenge the physical challenge of carrying all the kit to tell the story but also carrying all the kit to eat sleep and do all the normal stuff and like you don't want that you never want that challenge to be so great that it distracts from the creative challenge but um yeah there there's definitely a, a rewarding feeling isn't there yeah i think you as much as we might moan or grouch when we're on a job and it's particularly hard or difficult or it's raining <laughs> like <laughs> but yeah i think the i suppose i don't know you get you get a really a huge sense of satisfaction when you get back home, you dry off, you clean your kit, and then you're like, oh, that was an adventure. That was really cool. I think that's, that, um, is it the type two? Type fun? two, yeah, there we yeah, go, yeah. yeah not, at, not at the time, but yeah. afterwards, and you go, oh, actually, that was all right. That was um, and what, well, what has been your best project, or and what sticks in your mind has been one of your kind of favorite projects? Do you have an? Do you have one, or they might be different between you? I don't know. I think one of my favourite projects was, or maybe the loads of different ways, was um, working on Untrailed for Sidetrack with Jenny Tuff and photographer director Kelvin Troutman. Um, it was the first time we'd worked with Sidetrack, and we were really excited about that. First time we'd ever met Jenny Tuff. Um, very excited about that and also Kelvin who's um, a pretty world-renowned photographer documentary filmmaker and we'd the pair of us had uh, kind of at Cotswold we were addicted to his films and so the idea all that combined into one job was terrifying daunting really exciting and nerve-wracking and it was just I think it, it felt like um, I don't know, a bit of a, we learnt so much from Kelvin that he really took so much time uh, sharing his experience and skills and it was, and then yeah, working alongside Jenny and then in the editing process we worked really closely with John Sidetracked and Kelvin and Jenny afterwards and I think the edit went, we, we kind of back and forth, it was a real community uh, creative 
editing process. And it was the first time really we'd worked in a team that way. And it just, it felt like a big milestone in the way we approached okay. the and, job. And so you learned a lot, what kind of thing have you taken from that? Um, so one of, I think, Kelvin, one of Kelvin's um, mantras is story is king. And um, it doesn't matter what equipment you have or what, whether you've got the latest, I don't know, 10,000, 50,000 pound, 2,000, 500 pound, whatever, whatever equipment you've got, that's, it, it, it matters to a certain extent, but really the story is far more important than worrying about keeping up with the latest bit of gadgetry and tech. Um, so that was one of the main takeaways. Um, and then I think also approaching from the, from the editing point of view, um, standing back a little bit and giving the edit a bit of breathing space and appreciating feedback um, and kind of almost removing your head from the editing space so tightly that you can't, sometimes I think when you're editing, you get so into the zone, it's hard to see What's that phrase? Fish for the water? I don't know. But you know, uh, it, it's hard to distance yourself from it. And so I think really learnt to stand back and to be objective, um, not to be too emotionally attached to it. On the editing, I, mean, I imagine that some of the race editing, you won't get the chance to do that. If you're doing like the no. daily stuff, you're in, heads in it and, and, and that's it. Like yeah. Once it's done, done you don't get that time to so do you think that's do you think that maybe well, that lesson has, has that you got from the, the untrailed kind of shifted just shifted that focus slightly or is, or is that something that maybe um, you knew before I think it has I think with the with the racing edits you you don't really have much choice you kind of you start editing at four o'clock in the afternoon and you've got to have it out by eight o'clock so you've got four hours and it's just churn out and um, but I, so, I, so it's kind of hard to maybe, maybe some skills from that we learnt from Untrailed have seeped through but um, it is hard to have the luxury of time with a oh, race, right, yeah. race edit <laughs> yeah right. um, and Matt any standout um, well obviously the longest line you know it's, it's a fresh memory it was an incredible project to work on uh like, like you were just asking about you know the sort of the, the difficulty of it like it was part of it was really fun because it was so difficult like you know and, and no one that we really knew no one that we knew of at the time had done done it um and so when we literally left that the road we were like no idea what's gonna happen now like anything could happen and and there were so many times where we were like like what what happens next or you know even the going up the first hill and thinking this is going to take really long time <laughs> have we left enough time for this so yeah i mean long design was fantastic but i think to sort of like go back wrath when we filmed damien hall and beth pascal on the Kate Rath Trail, wow, 
it was like nothing. It was like no other project that we'd worked up on on up until then. That that area is so remote, and the terrain is hard going. The, the I mean, they say Cape Wrath Trail in there are plenty of places where there is no trail. And when I say like no trail, I'm not talking about like a sheep track. There's no trail. And that was a fantastic uh, situation. Yeah, like everything about that, everything, yeah, from the logistics, like at the end that it finishes at the lighthouse, the only real way to access the lighthouse is either to walk in the trail that they take in or to get a ferry and then a minibus, which you have to organise separately because it's out of, it was out of season. And um, like, it, it was December when, when uh, they did it and there was a storm and we tried to get back during the storm. They, they, they finished the FKT and we tried to get back. Basically the storm had already started to come in. So we ended up having to go back this sort of 10 mile track on the minibus with the ferry driver, with the um, minibus driver and hang out um, at the lighthouse. John and his daughter were amazing. Who are the, he's a light, he, well, he's, he, he did look after the lighthouse. He's now runs the sort of um, the hostel sort of setup he's got there and the cafe and they fed us and, and let us sleep on the floor of the cafe and we just chatted into the early hours and uh, it was, yeah, that was phenomenal. You just couldn't make it up. Yeah, the experience must have been, I mean, just all, all that other stuff, not, not that, that well, obviously the, 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 the event, that's not an event, is it? It's the, the, the FKT itself was a big event, but that, all that other stuff that adds, adds to the story. Yeah. Or adds to your memories, I suppose. And like, even, even from right from the beginning of that, when we arrived in Fort William, and it was raining really heavily and we knew there were quite big river crossings and we were looking at the, the there were some online environmental agency um, like trackers on some of the river depths and we were like not going to be able to cross that and they went up and had a look and sure enough there was no way they were going to get through it so like right from the off we were in sort of like is this going to happen isn't it going to happen and they set off and they were like oh we're going to do all this far without sleeping and we were like really that's a really long way like and then and sure thinking, enough how am i going to film that if you're uh, not going to sleep yeah. how am i going to keep up with you well <laughs> partly that and i think partly we were secretly thinking they're going to be sleep deprived it's going to make some really good <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah because again like like physical hardship sleep hardship also makes it very honest people can't pretend stuff when they're I do remember the scene when the when they, when they they got to the bottom that had the mattress in. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. We're, not, we're not leaving. <laughs> so I think we were quite sleep deprived at that point. Um, and but why did they choose December? That was my <laughs> turn. It's my turn to point my the turn. finger at Ellie now. Oh, Ellie. That was my fault because we were on a, we were working on a job, another job with Damien, and we were trying to think of a. A project and a he was looking for a, a running project we were looking for a filming project and Cape Bath Trail was mentioned and I said oh what about winter make really good footage because it'll be really gnarly <laughs> and he was like 
okay then winter we're doing winter um that was that was why that was why winter but i mean <laughs> totally lucked out because after that for the the rainstorm that was swelling the rivers the, the, the whole time from literally from the first day to the last day they had pretty much great sunshine or clear skies yeah. almost all day every day you could not have made it up like frosty crispy yeah incredible sunrises and sunsets it was just and i think the four of Filmmakers us dream yeah, yeah. and the, we and felt like we were totally alone like the that area was quite was really quiet um most of the shops and everything were all the kind of hospitality was closed and it was just like the four of us randomly bumbling up the trail so how did you keep in front of them or how, how did you manage to um to to take that equipment if they're running it and you are basically packing all that kit how did how was that logistically work well i guess so they had trackers on them so which made a big difference so we had support from open tracking um and they helped us source some satellite trackers as well um and without that it would have been a hundred times harder. But we were in a car. We were in a car. <laughs> but but anyone who's familiar with the Cape Rath Trail will also know that it's not like Pennine Way. You can't just drive up more or less along with it. There were yeah. big stretches where, you know, long drives round to access the next point. So we would see them maybe, well, like two, three times a day. Three or like, times a day, yeah. Um, and it would involve a long drive and potentially quite a long walk in. Like I'm just thinking uh, about the the gamekeeper, as uh, it's Strath, yeah, Strathcarran, let us drive up his um, shooting track quite close, close to uh, uh, Callum's going to hate me. Malbuya. Malbudi Bothy. Mal and you you so you had to hike in what tenky and the gamekeeper said or the the uh, uh, state manager said so it was going to take hours we were like, like really like 10k it's not going to take us that long we were no. there kind of we thought cockily to ourselves um oh, it took forever trust the yes took forever <laughs> Like, there genuinely was no trail whatsoever. It was just and tussocky, heathery, rocky, boggy shit. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I think we set off, there's always a bit of a fear, because whenever you have, you do have trackers on them, but somewhere like that, it's very rare that you have signal all the time. So you kind of, you're having to guess and work backwards. And then whenever you set off, so we parked the car maybe at 2 a.m. And then we thought, OK, well, t we need to see them by. But they're going to pass through this bothy at 5 a.m. round about sunrise. So you've always whenever you're kind of hiking in, you're never you're never relaxed because you've got this fear of missing them. And you, you w we wouldn't have any idea until we'd got there, waited for however long and then walked back and found signal. We wouldn't have known whether we missed them or not. So it's yeah, because they could have like run right by you or like push yeah. through that bothy potentially yeah. and, and, and not take the take yeah. the sleep break. I would have had no idea not being able to check the trackers. So, so yeah. And it's ten k back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And 
so I mean, you've, you've obviously you've got a few films out there now, haven't you? Um, and so what? Although you've you've just talked about two specific projects, have you got one that stands out as, as your favourite film out there? Are they like your children? You can't, you can't, <laughs> can't have a favourite. Can't have a favourite. <laughs> oh, oh. I like. Am I allowed to? I like different ones for different things, seasons. I don't think there's one favourite okay. one. I like the longest line because it, it has. I think it's quite. Hmm. I think it's quite. Callum and Jenny are funny. Yeah, the two characters. They really are, yeah, and yeah. it just every time I watch it and I see the pair of them, I just get this grin on my face because it's they're just so funny together. Yeah. Um, so I think longest line for to laugh. Mm. Good shout. Yeah. Um, I mean, in terms of like things going vaguely to plan, underdog with Damien. Uh, he seems to be a running theme throughout our films. Um, uh, he, yeah. Like that was, I mean, I think we even wanted to call it underdog before he even went out there. Mm. Um, and I think he was feeling a little bit like, oh, there's quite a lot of pressure on me. Uh, you're like, oh, I'm not sure, you know. Uh, you do know that Killian's turning up, right? Um, we are like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You're going to be him, you're going to be him, you're going to be him. Like, we well, might be him, I don't know. Um, and, yeah, like, the story, the storyline that we kind of sketched out originally, obviously, you know, it's documentary, anything could happen, but, like, we'd sketched out Storyboard. plucky Brit, trains really hard, goes into a bog in his garden and all this kind of stuff, and then rocks up at this swanky European race with all these... Like fresh-faced young elite oh, what athletes. What are you saying about Damien? He's saying he's not fresh-faced and young. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give him fresh-faced, maybe. Um, yeah, and and then he like smashes. Just honestly, we could not believe mm. what was going on in front of our eyes when we were going around, and then like we saw Lee from Innovate um, early early in the morning during the race and he was like yeah Killian's dropped out uh Jim Wormsley dropped out and we were like what and then like sure enough like more and more like falling down and obviously Damien was running really fast as well he was going not this isn't just a like picking them off one by one and we're like okay so he's in 14th then whatever and then, then suddenly it was like oh my god he's in he's in seventh and it was just wow yeah he's gonna do this so all this filming will be taking you away from home, away from normal, say normal daily life, suppose your working job is, is part of your normal daily life, but how do you fit normal life in amongst that? Mm. Or do you? Or is it just part of part of your life now? I think work-life balance is always a struggle, if I'm honest. It's really hard. Um, it's hard. There are loads of reasons why it's difficult, which include you're doing something that you love doing, so you want to keep doing it. That's definitely part of it. Being self-employed and just wanting to pay the bills and stuff like that, you also feel a pressure to like do the work. Um, but I think we're getting, we are getting better at it. Yeah. But taking us ten years. It is. It's re It's hard to separate it and like. 
we're trying to be more strict with ourselves like no days like today like okay we're starting work at this time or we're finishing work at this time and if like a work call or email comes in to to you can acknowledge it but just to park it until okay tomorrow morning we're starting work again um because in the same way that you know if we worked in any other job um you know like you have to be able to st stop it sometimes and uh walk away yeah walk just away. go for a run yourself or you know yeah. like frequently now I'll, uh well as long if it's not in a remote place like i'll definitely go for a run without my phone and with nothing so kind of disconnect from yes. yeah from but yeah yeah uh, yeah i can imagine it gets quite intense and but it's funny you use running to get away from <laughs> from running, running. running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um and uh, what what does a, a day off look like apart from running no probably running <laughs> yeah. we've both got um races and stuff that we're training for so mm. we've got quite a strict training schedule so <laughs> so, you, so that was going to be a lot of questions. So you, you're obviously both run, runners and compete. So you're obviously not filming them while you're doing it. You're there to, to uh, for the event. Uh, how does it feel, or how do you look at other events? I suppose that's first. How do you look at events when you're when you're competing in them, or uh, in terms of the filming and the documenting of it, and, and, other, and watching other people do it? I think there's a mutual respect of other people whether they're filming taking stills podcasts like anything any and to be honest and not even just the creative jobs everyone down to the plumbers and electricians at events you're like you've got uh, an understanding and respect for the hardship it's that really there hard. is to do that and that they are every every little job that every little person be them staff or be they staff or volunteers is contributing to your experience there and uh, so it's pretty cool to see them um, I, that kind of came across in the interview I did with Shane Orley um, and he was talking about that and how everybody like it, and I think Kate Rath was probably the, the, the one that uses the examples like having to move the logistics and everybody up there. and, and you guys captured that and uh, a couple of times in the in the films that you've done uh, for them, but it is, it is just a feat of like brilliance, I suppose. It, it, it does take up, I can't imagine his brain um, that has to deal with it, but yeah. Mm. Um, and so what events have you got coming up that you're doing yourself? What are you training for? I've got the Cubiate Goat in December and then the uh, Yukon or Lapland Arctic Ultra in March. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, my main one is the um, Sky Race, uh, Maton Sky Race, yeah. which I'm uh, really looking forward to. And then um, doing the Om Elite with Damien in October, <laughs> which will be uh, should be a yeah. good fun. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, Langdale this year again. It is. Hopefully, doesn't blow away like it did last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. You're filming, it seems you've taken a bit of a switch recently, or you've kind of maybe shifted focus slightly. Uh, and we'll go back to the questions, um, because I asked a mutual friend of ours, Wim, 
he had he had a couple of questions, but we'll uh, we'll we're going to kind of narrow it down to one. Uh, he said, "You recently changed tack from a more standard race coverage content model." That's a whim speak. Mm -hmm. um, to more narrative-based productions, how will you manage potential crossover between uh, stuff you do for brand content, who often sponsor this, and your narrative work? I think you're basically <laughs> trying to get to work, the crossover between what you're doing, uh, what you were doing, and what you plan to do now. How, how will you how will you manage that? We've obviously like we've worked on events for like ten, 10 years, years, and uh, it's been brilliant hard we've learned a lot it, and it's given us a, a great skill set i think um it's a, a really high pressure environment to work in um in terms of creating the content and getting it out on time that's good quality and delivers what the client wants and what the viewers want and you know we're lucky in that we can kind of decide, you know, we talk to each other about what we want to do and we want to, for some time, we've wanted to spend more time on bigger projects where we can spend more time telling a, a, a deeper storyline and, and also sort of... Um, it basically to, to, to be able to do that shift, we had to step back from the event stuff to give us the time to really get into it. Um, I think really, like a lot of things, it's a game of specialisms and we want to specialise in documentary film and brand content creation. Yeah, um, and I think, uh Not sure whether I don't know. It's it's hard to sometimes talk about the the business side of something when it's a creative industry. But from a from a business point of view, if we want to grow as a company, I think we needed to make the decision whether we were going to go carry on doing events and grow grow a team focusing on events because there's only so much two people can do. Um, and only so many events you can cover or do you uh, decide to develop a team uh, in a different in a different area and I think for us I think yeah after like 10 years of doing the events and maybe, maybe last year was kind of case in point because it was kind of post-covid and there was just back-to-back -back events and I think we got to October and just fell into a heap in the floor and we were like this isn't this isn't for us it's not sus not sustainable um, and so started to make that that shift and I think the crossover there is a there is a crossover because I think a lot of the race content is narrative based it's just you're covering maybe a wider spectrum of um, storylines in a very short period of time and this is just giving us the opportunity to tell similar stories, but maybe go a bit deeper into one story. Um, yeah. And, and I think we've made some, like, win. We've made some good friends from the events that cross over into the brands, um, which has been 
really helpful in kind of making that jump towards brand and kind of feature length documentaries. So you talked about teams there, and I know you you've worked with uh, you work with other people, Steve, yeah. and, uh, and and sort of many other people. Will that ha will that happen in your narrative based stuff as one puts it? Is your storytelling yet? Definitely, yeah. and Ma I hope so because yeah. it's. Uh, I think working in a team is really good, <laughs> good fun, and it's healthy environment. And um, I think we're lucky because there's two of us, but otherwise it can be quite a. I think a lot of self-employed people might be able to relate. It can be quite uh, lonely or isolated, or you get very much. You kind of you spend a lot of time by yourself or together or just those two together. So working as part of a bigger team, yeah, it's brilliant because you can bounce ideas off it. You see different perspectives, and yeah, you have you have fun. Yeah. So just talking about your team then, just you you as a couple, how do you manage that uh, <laughs> as a as a couple being um, so close? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ellie holds her hands up to <laughs> just random. Um, yeah, th that must have challenges. I think that, that I, would, I can't imagine it's all um, sweetness well, and light, is it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I would say most of the time it's seventy percent. Pretty what? Eighty <laughs> percent? Quite low. <laughs> um, no, I think I, you know, a lot of it. Well, not a lot. Sometimes people say to us, oh, I could never work with my partner, you know, oh, I drive each other crazy. But genuinely, there is no one else I would rather do it with. And honestly, I'm not sure I would be doing it if it wasn't, if I wasn't doing it with Elliot. Uh, um, and there's def there's so many, there's so many benefits, like, we're able to talk honestly about anything in a way that we both know we're trying to get to the same, we have the same aims and the same, you know, yeah. aspirations and everything. And so it's, it's very easy. We don't, you know, we can, we still be like nice to each other when we're giving feedback on each other's edits. Um, but, um, but there's definitely a level of brutal honesty that comes with. Yes. Oh. <laughs> but um. <laughs> it's good. It's, it's brilliant. It is. It's brilliant. Because also, like, you know, like, I guess one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to become self-employed was I wanted to choose as far as possible what I'm doing with my time and like i want to spend time with my wife ellie oh and that's recorded too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry you don't have to say any of that stuff no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's it's on the whole it's good fun it's on the whole <laughs> no it yeah. is it is it i'm is. hoping i'm not causing some <laughs> marital issues here <laughs> <But> apologies <laughs> No, it can be like true. most of the time it's it's brilliant i mean it's hard because i think i suppose with the whole why did you say most because you've got the whole life work balance bit because mm. <laughs> sometimes you can end up like your free time and your work time gets so kind of 
mingled and merged that you end up just talking. We have to actively not talk about work. Yeah. And say, right, no more work. No more talking about yeah, work. Yeah, I can imagine it's like even across dinner table type stuff. It's yeah. Like, it's yeah. really it's easy. Of it. It's yeah. really easy to slip into it because you might, like, in the back of your mind, there's always something like ticking away, like, oh, we could try this. Oh, I've got this idea. And we're like, and they'd be like, Ellie's favourite thing is just before she goes to sleep. I've got a great idea. Oh, just did you see? Did you see that email? Have you replied to that email? To sleep. Oh my Why? god, I forgot that. <laughs> then we get a real insight into oh. the, the Summit Fever Media back of house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in terms of, so you've got a couple of races that you're training for, uh, some pretty hard races as well. Um, for what about what? What's on the, the the kind of your personal future, if you like? Like, is there anything that you you're, you're looking forward to, or you have got going forward? Just, um, just sounds like racing. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where the company, how the company develops, and who we get to work with, or who. I'm just really excited about what the future holds in terms of yeah. What um. What would be the the big one? Do you have a like a? Are you are you willing to put that out there? <laughs> <laughs> what would what would be your? You know, I, this is what Summit Fever Media would like to do. Oh, so many things. Yeah, but but you look at you look to see what the like. And by the way, I'm not at all kind of comparing us whatsoever because they're miles off and all those various disclaimers. But you look at the likes of what Jimmy Chin achieved. And you think that was mainstream media, uh, Oscars, and and I'm not saying, so I'm not like that's it, that's the whole kind of that side of things. I'm not that's not just because what am I trying to say? But it, but it makes it possible. It makes it possible, yeah. and it's just like that's incredible. What he's achieved mm -hmm. is amazing. That kind of the the scale of that film, Free Solo, was just immense. It, and yeah i think it's difficult to say like i don't think there's a particular topic or person or story that i that i think of as like oh yeah that you know that would be the that would be the most amazing thing i like i'm, I'm really enjoying these narrative edit, edits and, and projects that we've been working with like with brands or with sidetracked and and all these kind of things but i think for me i really enjoy almost the flip side they're like and it, it, seeing an audience enjoy it and you know like going to kennel mountain festival and sneaking in the back of the room and everyone's watching the film you're like oh my god are they gonna like it are they gonna laugh and 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 it's always you know it's a bit funny like seeing them they'll laugh at bits and you're like i don't remember that being a funny bit um <laughs> you're laughing at the wrong bit <laughs> yeah or you know or people are shocked by other moments or whatever it is but um being able to give that viewing experience to as many people as possible uh i would yeah i'd really like that that's cool okay um and 
anything of of note in the future for for films coming up or, or any projects that you've got that you're allowed to you're allowed to share i suppose i think i'm allowed to we're, we're working with montaigne and jenny tuff on a documentary on jenny tuff's expeditions oh, yeah. which is really exciting mm-hmm. and um we're well stuck into the edit of that at the moment and that's going to be you know, one of our big projects for this for this year we've got um talking about longest line we've got a longer edit oh yeah in process a longer longer line <laughs> yeah the longer <laughs> line the, longer. Working title. <laughs> <laughs> the longest line like longer. there were so many bits there were so many bits why that we had to cut out to to make uh the f- film festival length edit that we had to take out so there's loads of bits that we want to put put into this new uh this new edit so really uh yeah really excited for that um and we're doing a 10-year documentary on the spine race yeah which will be that'll be interesting that'll be good yeah yeah there must you must have i mean how many years did you have, did you do the spine race seven yeah from 2013 to 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, like, yeah. Oh my god! Like, or like it, there'll be like a little snippet of one of us. But I say, oh my god, he looks so young. Like, oh what? yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kind of throwback. Yeah. yeah. Um, and some of the events that you were doing, like your Cape Wrath, and and because you didn't do the daily coverage of the spine, the last spine, did you? No, no, no. So no. how are you watching those little films that get put out by the guys that are doing it now? Yeah. 18, yeah. Um, cause Jimmy Highland did the mm-hmm. the spine race. We work with Jimmy quite a lot. Um, he's, he's a great, great guy, and so yes, wishing him well with all those. And then Steve and Jimmy and I'm not sure who else was on, but did the Kate Rath ones. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, like, yeah watch them. Yeah, yeah. Watch them um, well, I'll look forward to the films that you've um, you put up because uh, obviously there's some good topics there. The Spain one, Jenny's as well. Um, We'll be, we'll be thinking Kendall. When when do what, what are we looking for Kendall this year? Um, well, we'll enter. We'll definitely enter Jenny, Jenny Tuff into documentary into Kendall, and the spine race. The spine race. There's a screening with Montaigne. Uh, we'll also enter into the festival, into into the competition. Into competition. Um, which will be cool. I look forward to seeing them uh, when we can. Um, well, thank you for sitting down in the rain with me. Um, hopefully, I've got all, everything you've done there. But um, yeah, thanks for your time. I know it's valuable. I know I'm taking up valuable editing time uh, at the moment. Um, and uh, I look forward to seeing the films in the future. Well, thanks thank for you. having us. Yeah, it's, it's always, uh, it's always it's a, a good excuse to, to get out and have a chat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. cool. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's been Passing Outdoors. Uh, thanks to Matt and Ellie, and uh, we'll see you again soon.